Hello, and welcome to Ensure and Certain Hope, a podcast about Jesus, the Episcopal Church, faith, and other things. I'm the Reverend Jedediah Fox, the rector of the Church of the Redeemer in Kenmore, and your host. I'm glad you're with us today. Today, we're continuing our series on the outline of the faith, uh, commonly called the Catechism. Today, our topic will be Holy Scripture. Holy Scripture. Question. What are the Holy Scriptures? The Holy Scriptures, commonly called the Bible, are the books of the Old and New Testaments. Other books, called the Apocrypha, are often included in the Bible. Question. What is the Old Testament? Answer. The Old Testament consists of books written by the people of the Old Covenant, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to show God at work in nature and history. Question. What is the New Testament? Answer. The New Testament consists of books written by the people of the New Covenant under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to set forth the life and teachings of Jesus and to proclaim the good news of the kingdom for all people. Question. What is the Apocrypha? The Apocrypha is a collection of additional books written by the people of the Old Covenant and used by the Christian Church. Question. Why do we call the Holy Scriptures the Word of God? Answer. We call them the Word of God because God inspired their human authors and because God still speaks to us through the Bible. Question. How do we understand the meaning of the Bible? Answer. We understand the meaning of the Bible by the help of the Holy Spirit who guides the church in the true interpretation of the scriptures. It seems like it's taken us a while to get to Holy Scripture, but finally, here we are. Holy Scripture. And the outline of the faith when we finally get to Holy Scripture tells us what it is, but not necessarily what it means or how we're supposed to understand and relate to it. The answers in the outline of the faith tell us that Holy Scripture is the Old Testament, the New Testament, and the Apocrypha, and they hint maybe a little bit at how we're to understand and relate to these scriptures. Uh, essentially, what they say is they detail that uh, these scriptures detail God's relationship, which God initiated with humanity, as mediated through a specific people, that is, the children of Israel particularly Jesus Christ in the New Testament. And it goes on to say that they that God continues to speak to us through these scriptures um, and the mediation of that experience in the community out of which they come, that is the church. Um, that it, what that means is that we uh, are to read Holy Scripture not always by ourselves. We're to read Holy Scripture with other people. We're to read Holy Scripture together, which is messy. 
if you've paid attention to the, any of the last 20, 40 years of Episcopal history, trying to read Holy Scripture together and agree on what it says gets messy. But the truth is that it's always been messy. And that's partly because of what we act, how we actually understand what Scripture is. So let's go back to that first part of the understanding and relating. They detail God's relationship, which God initiated with humanity as mediated through in a specific way. That is through the children of Israel and Jesus Christ and Jesus followers. Scripture in the Episcopal or Anglican understanding is inspired by God and written down by humans. And what we mean when we say inspired by God is that the relationship was so important that people wrote it down and that God started it, that God initiated this relationship. That's what we mean by inspired. We don't mean that some dove landed on someone's shoulder and said, write this down. Um, that's not what we mean by inspired. Uh, that's what some other Protestants mean by inspired. Yes but not in the Anglican or Episcopal understanding. And so to really understand how we are to relate to Scripture in this way, what this really means and why it's so messy, it's good to look a little bit further afield. Uh, so the first place that we're going to journey is we're going to stay in the prayer book and we're going to go to the ordination rites. So the ordination rites, which are in the 500s in the prayer book, are those... Services where the sacrament of ordination, that is the sacrament of service to the church, are celebrated. And as part of all three of those, the candidate being ordained to whatever order, bishop, priest, or deacon, is required to proclaim that they do believe the Holy Scriptures of the Old and New Testament to contain all things necessary for salvation. And that's a curious phrase, and it's been a phrase of long use for almost 500 years. Um, containing all things necessary for salvation. That we understand that what's in the Old and New Testament will tell us everything we need to know about how God would desire us to order our relationship with God and with each other in a way that conforms to God's deepest desires. That is, as much as anything, a definition of what salvation means, how we are to have life, how we are to be saved. And this puts us in an interesting position because it's at odds with how a lot of other of our others of our brothers and sisters in different denominations relate to the Bible. So let's keep looking. Let's um, broaden our lens a little bit, zoom out, if you will, and look at the prayer book as a whole and specifically what someone says about the prayer book. Um, in the book that he wrote with Melody Wilson Schaub, uh, the uh, CEO of Forward Movement, that is the CEO of the company that makes those little books that lots of people like to pick up uh, for their daily devotions and, and a lot of other pamphlets and uh, publications, Scott Gunn, the self-described pamphlet baron of the Episcopal church in his book, um, walk in love. 
Episcopal beliefs and practices, says, perhaps above all, the Episcopal Church is a Bible church. The Bible plays a central role in our beliefs and practices. Visit any Episcopal congregation on a Sunday and see for yourself. We take reading the Bible very seriously. Our liturgy includes four different readings of the Bible, the Old Testament, the Psalms, the New Testament, and the Gospel. After the Old Testament and New Testament reading, we proclaim the word of the Lord, a reminder that these are not just nice stories, but holy inspired words from God. And the gospel is given a special honor. Many churches have a gospel procession where the gospel book is carried out into the middle of the church, led by torches and accompanied by singing. The people in the church typically turn and face the gospel book, a sign we orient our bodies and our lives to good news of Jesus Christ. And the readings are not only places where we hear the words of scripture. The words of our liturgy come from the Bible as well. Approximately 70% of the Book of Common Prayer is biblical quotation. Not only does the prayer book include the entire book of Psalms, but many of the most beloved and beautiful prayers and responses in the liturgy are also directly from the Bible. Now, I have to quibble with Scott about the gospel procession. Um, We don't turn and face the gospel because of the book. We turn and face the gospel because of the story that's about to be proclaimed in the midst of the body of Christ, the story of salvation. But the point stands that the scripture is at the center of everything we do. This story of relationship is and must be at the center of everything we do. Uh, And it undergirds everything. So, it's not that we don't take the Bible seriously, and I want to, to really emphasize this. In the Anglican or Episcopal experience, we take the Bible very seriously, and we engage with it at every possible moment. Uh, something that's, that uh, Mr. Gunn, that the Reverend Gunn does not mention in, uh, his, in that passage I read, but um, is nonetheless true, is that in the prayer book is a guide for reading the entire Bible in a year. It's called the Daily Office Readings. It's in the back of the prayer book, around about 900. Uh, it'll tell you how to, if you read that every day, you have read the Bible in, uh, or most of the Bible in a year. You, you won't get through the entire Old Testament unless you read both years' readings for the Old Testament. But that's not that hard. Um, we, we want, we believe that we should read the Bible at, at, at least daily uh, in the Episcopal Church. All other things being equal, Um, you know, in a pandemic, not all things are equal, but still reading the Bible is a good thing, we believe. But how we relate to it when we read it, how we understand what the Bible is and how it speaks to us is still we need to we need to think about what that means. And so I want to turn to another uh, piece of written work about the Anglican Church and its understanding. that sentence that I read that comes from the ordination contains all necessary, all things necessary for our salvation has its genesis with the theologian Richard Hooker, who was an Anglican bishop uh, in, the 15th, in the 16th century. And um, the former pres- uh, Archbishop of Canterbury, uh, Michael Ramsey, in his short book, The Anglican Spirit, says 
We must notice, most of all, their emphasis upon the need for salvation. Holy Scripture contains truth necessary for salvation. The articles do not say that Holy Scripture contains truth on innumerable subjects not related to salvation. And here we have the difference between the treatment of Scripture by the Anglicans, as represented by Hooker, and by the Puritans. The Anglicans claim that whatever is needed for our salvation we find in Scripture, but we do not necessarily have to follow Scripture for rules concerning the details of life in the church. The Puritans, on the other hand, insisted that Holy Scripture does provide necessary rules and details for the life of the church. And, and here in Ramsey's work, the Puritans are the stand-in for uh, what some people would call scriptural Protestants, um, but others of our brothers and sisters who follow different branches of Protestantism, who follow different branches of the church that we would think of as Protestant, be they Lutherans or Lutherans or Presbyterians or people in non-denominational churches who have a much deeper belief in what the scripture is in the, um, in what one might call the inerrancy, the, the without errorness of scripture. And we just don't believe that. Nor do we believe that we, that everything has we have to find ways to conform everything we do to a biblical norm. Uh, if, if you continue reading in this chapter from uh, Archbishop Ramsey's book, he points out the use of incense. He says, you know, we as Anglicans will sometimes use incense, but we don't use incense simply because we think it tells us to in Revelation. We use it because it is a symbol of long use that. Uh, very clearly, uh, we can speak about symbolizing our prayers rising to God. And we don't need to be able to say, see, it says that you do it in the Bible, so we have to do it. We can move beyond it, but the Bible still forms an important basis and foundation for our salvation. And so Holy Scripture is this thing that, that, we, that we have that we've been given this record of the relationship that God has with God's creation up till now that points that that's one of those way pointing signs for us. If you've ever gone hiking, you'll know that there are um, what are called on any, any, for any distance, you'll know that there are things called blazes on trails uh, and they're little patches of color that other people have put uh, so as to help you see the trail ahead. They're very common uh, on the Appalachian Trail, on the Pacific Crest Trail, and on the Continental Divide Trail, these very, very long hiking trails uh, that go from border to border of our north and south uh, in the United States. And these blazes are waypointers. So you can look behind and you can see white dots every quarter mile and you know that you're, you're on the trail. And then you look ahead and you can find those same right dots and you know you're continuing on the trail. Holy Scripture works in that same way with the power of the Holy Spirit innervating its creation and preservation. Holy Scripture points the way to how we've gotten here. What is the way we took meandering as it might be for us to have gotten to this moment? 
And that meandering tells us how, how we are to move forward. And yes, that path might still end up being meandering because discerning and listening to the Holy Spirit is by its very definition messy because it has to be done with other people. Listening to Holy Scripture, interpreting Holy Scripture, discerning what Holy Scripture means for our continuing life when the Scripture is not inerrant, when the Scripture is full of uncertainty and weird stuff that we can't explain, like a prophet telling a black bear to eat naughty children. It's in there. Look it up. When when Scripture itself is kind of messy, we have to expect that our discernment of the way forward based on that material is going to be meandering and maybe at some point messy. It has always been that way in the church and it will always continue to be that way. But it, but our, our continuing engagement with it makes it easier for us to see. The more we do it, the more we see it. And part of the reason that it feels so messy in the last 20 or 40 years in the church, in our, in our frustrations and disagreements within the Episcopal experience over things like LGBTQIA plus persons and whether or not they are beloved and fully included members of the church and children of God is because we're out of practice in having that conversation in a way that acknowledges that it's supposed to be messy, but that we are all seeking the same thing. We would, we have privileged for too long the idea that we have to be nice to each other and we have to uh, sort of paper over our disagreements rather than saying that I believe that, that the story of Scripture is pointing us in this direction. And I believe the story of, you know, and other people say, I believe the story of Scripture is pointing us in this direction. And, and the Spirit is calling us in this direction the Spirit, rather than that direction. And then seeing where the Spirit is actually pulling us. It's always been messy. It's always going to be messy. It's our expectation that it shouldn't be messy that is new for us. Because listening to God is hard. And we're not always used to doing hard things. But if we're willing to sit with it, to stay with it, not just by ourselves, not just what we think, individually, but what we all think, how we think together, how we get to a place where we understand scripture together, that is how we follow Jesus as the church, how we move toward God's kingdom as the church. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ensure and Certain Hope on Holy Scripture. Until next time, when I hope you join us again, may God's blessing be with you, Christ's peace be with you, the Spirit's outpouring be with you, now and forevermore. Amen. Amen.